everybody, always. Probably couldn't be another theme that our church could have chosen that hits my heart more deeply than that. And thank you on a personal level for allowing my wife and I to be a part of a church that truly does seek to share the love and the grace of Jesus Christ with everybody, always. You've just seen on the video that we shared with you, you've just seen some ways that Knox County Association of Baptist Churches are living out this grace of the gospel and how they're actively sharing this love of Jesus Christ with people who are living at the poverty level or below, with all kinds of people groups, with internationals that are coming into our city from all over the world with students and with children of the next generation. And you've seen how churches are coming together to be God's church on his mission and how we're seeking to live out that grace of the gospel and to share that love of Christ. As you've seen with almost an estimated 350 to 360,000 people right here in our county that are not actively connected to Christ and his church, for us to have an impact there, for us to be able to, to be his church on his mission, it will definitely require for all of us, every single one of us, to embrace this idea of sharing Christ with everybody always. Not just some people some of the time, but everybody always. So I guess the question is, how do we go about developing an everybody always lifestyle? Because if that's what we're supposed to be about, if that's the, the challenge that's set before us, it's very obvious and it becomes very quickly understood to all of us that everybody always cannot be a series of projects. It has to be a lifestyle. Otherwise, it becomes some of the people sometimes. But everybody always has to be a lifestyle. So how do we go about developing a lifestyle that truly is everybody always? Well, Jesus made it very plain. He makes it very plain, makes it very clear when he established the most important commandments by which we are to live by. They're recorded for us in a couple of places. They're recorded in Matthew chapter 22, but also in Mark chapter 12. And in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28, this is what Jesus says. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. Do you see that? No other commandment, no other commandment greater than these. In the Matthew passage, Jesus would say that all of the law and all of the other commandments hang on these two things. And here in the Mark passage, it's recorded, there's nothing greater than this. Nothing greater than these two commandments, to love God with all your heart and to love others. That's the essence of everybody always. Loving God and loving others. I think we see an example of this beautifully lived out in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, at the beginning of that chapter, there's a story that Mark records for us that I think beautifully expresses to us this love for God and love for others and how to love everybody always. 
in Mark 2, he, he writes this. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the, to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out from before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. What a beautiful expression of everybody always. And when we begin to think about that, if we are going to truly embrace a lifestyle of everybody always, then in order to love everybody always, we must develop a deep love for God. That's the foundation. That's the commandment upon which it's built. Our love for God will grow with our knowledge of God. The more deeply we know Him, the more deeply we are in an intimate relationship with Him, the more we understand about Him will enable our love to grow. Our love for God and our knowledge of God kind of grow together. And we see this kind of expressed in 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, listen to these words carefully. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Do you see the connection? Anyone who does not love does not know God, but because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another then God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It establishes very clearly for us that connection that our love for God grows right along with our knowledge for him. And we see that in the story of those friends bringing their friend to Jesus. What we see there is that one of the reasons that they brought their friend to Jesus and they were so excited about it is because when Jesus came into the, to the house there in Capernaum, there was a buzz going about. And the reason that there was a buzz going about is that the people understood who was in town. 
And they were beginning to understand more fully. They were beginning to know him more deeply and know him more fully. And as they did, their, their love for him began to grow. So these four friends began to bring their friend to see Jesus for a couple of reasons. One is they knew about the power of his teaching. See, they knew that he was not just an ordinary teacher. They knew that he was like the other scribes and the teachers of the law. There was something unordinary about him. In Mark chapter 1, verse 21, here's what it says about his teaching. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue, and he was teaching, speaking of Jesus. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. See, they'd heard all of these scribes, they'd heard all of these other great teachers teach. But when Jesus was teaching, there was something about the power of his teaching that was different. That was set apart from everybody else, that people took notice. And so these four friends had heard his teaching, and they were beginning to understand the power of his teaching. It was unlike anything they'd ever heard. But they were also understanding the power of his healing. In Mark chapter 1, right after that, there's several stories of him healing. He, he cast out an unclean spirit. He was, he was raising people back to life. And here's what it says about the power of his healing. Verse 32 in Mark chapter 1. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. See, the people were beginning to understand the power of his healing. Because they understood that he was not like any of these others who, who professed to be healers, but that people who had unclean spirits were having those cast out, people who were experiencing death were being brought to life, and people who were having all of these illnesses and afflictions were being healed of them. So these four friends knew a couple of things about Jesus, and their knowledge of him, the depth of their relationship with him, caused them to have a love for him that they were like, we got to bring our friend there. Because they knew the power of his teaching, and they knew the power of his healing. But now, when they brought their friend to Jesus, now they were beginning to learn something else, and they were beginning not only to know the power of his teaching and the power of his healing, but the power of his forgiveness. Because in the, chapter that, in the, in the passage that we read just earlier, chapter 2, verses 5 through 12, when they brought their friend who, who was paralyzed to Jesus, the first thing Jesus says to him is, your sins are forgiven. So now they were beginning to have a depth of knowledge and a depth of understanding about Jesus that was unlike anybody else. And so from that, from the scriptures that we see, and even from this story, one of the things that we begin to understand is that the depth of our relationship with Jesus will determine our willingness to love everybody always enough to connect them to Jesus. Get that? The depth of our relationship with Jesus will determine our willingness to love everybody always enough to connect them to Jesus. But to love everybody always, we must not only develop a deep love for, for God, but to love everybody always, we must also demonstrate a genuine love for others. 
we're going to truly love everybody always, we have to be willing to demonstrate that. We have to be willing to demonstrate not just a superficial love, but to demonstrate a genuine, authentic love for others. Because you see, our love for others grows right along with our love for God. We go back to 1 John chapter 4. And when we go back to 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 19, this is what we find. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's very clear on these commandments to us. That our love for others grows right along with our love for God. And that's what we see in these four friends who brought their friend to Jesus to be healed. We see their love for him. See, first we saw their knowledge of Jesus and who he was that set him apart from everybody else and why their friend needed to come to Jesus. But now we see their love for their friend. And their love for their friend being demonstrated in such a genuine way that they were willing to go out of their way and, and take the extra steps, go the extra mile, if you will, to be able to make sure that their friend got connected to Jesus. You see, if I can say it this way for just a moment, everybody always is not about loving convenient people in convenient times and convenient ways. Everybody always means that at times we love inconvenient people. at inconvenient times, in inconvenient ways. That's when we understand that we've stepped into everybody always. And what we begin to see here is the love that these four men had for their friend. You see, they loved enough to care about his physical need. They knew that their friend was paralyzed. They knew that, that Jesus was in town, and they knew that their friend who was paralyzed, was not being able to experience maybe all of the life that he enjoyed. And they knew that Jesus was healing people. And they loved their friend enough to care about his physical needs. They also loved their friend enough to care about his spiritual needs. Especially in that day, people who suffered physical infirmities were often asked, well, what sin have you committed? Because especially in that day, people's physical condition was so connected to their spiritual condition. Blind people, lame people were often asked, who sinned, this, this man or was it his parents? Who sinned that caused him to be this way? So in that day, especially if people had a physical need like that, it was believed that they had some kind of spiritual sin as well that caused that. And so it would have been obvious for these men to know, well, our friend here is paralyzed He's got this physical need, but you know what? He's also got a spiritual need. And they loved him enough to not only care about his physical need, but they loved him enough to care about his spiritual need. And maybe here's the key to it all. They loved enough to do something. They loved enough to do something. It's easy for us often to talk about how much we love somebody. It's even easy for us to sometimes 
you know, pray for and care about their, their physical needs or even to talk about how much we care about somebody's spiritual need. But the question for us is, do we love them enough to actually do something? Because you see, I think that the depth of our relationship with others will also determine our willingness to love everybody always enough to connect them to Jesus so that something can be done. Can I go just a, a little bit cheesy on you here for just a second and give you an acrostic? Okay. I know that's kind of old school, but let me give you one because it helps me to remember. If we're going to truly love somebody enough to, to do something, then you know what it boils down to? We have to, we have to truly care. That's pretty simple. But if we're going to love somebody enough to do something, we really do have to care. So, so here's your acrostic. The C stands for cultivate a relationship. If you're going to really care about somebody, we have to be willing to cultivate a relationship. And that means that we really do have to begin to see people as people, not projects. It's not a project my church is doing. It's not another project that I'm involved in with a nonprofit or whatever. This is a person. And I care about them. So we have to cultivate this relationship. The A in care stands for adjust your life. If we're really going to care about them enough to do something, we have to be willing to make some adjustments in our life. You see, I think these four men had enough of both of that going on with the friend that they brought to Jesus. One is I believe they had enough of a relationship with him to be able to go back to him and say, hey, you know what, Jesus is in town and we're going to make sure that you get there. And then I believe that they had enough willingness to adjust their life to make sure that he got there. You know, it could have been that their friend knew Jesus was in town first. The story doesn't tell us. And it could have been that their friend called up the other four guys and said, hey, I've heard that Jesus is in town. Will you come help me get over there to see him? And we're kind of creating a scenario here, but we're creating one that helps us understand the way we are today. They didn't say to him, well, you know what? Maybe he'll be there tomorrow because today we plan to go hunting. We, we, were, going, we were going fishing today or you know, I really got some things I need to do around the house. Maybe he'll still be there tomorrow because I don't have anything to do tomorrow, so I'll come help you get to see him tomorrow. No, he was there today. And whether their friend called them or they called their friend, however it went, they said, he's there today, let's go. Let's adjust whatever we need to do. We're going to drop whatever we need because we're going to adjust our life enough to make sure that we show him we care enough to take him to Jesus. And then not only that, when they got there, they had to adjust their plans again. Because when they got there, the crowd was so big, the house was so full, that they couldn't even get in the door, so they had to go up on top of the roof, open a, make an opening in the roof, and lower him down that way. So they had to adjust their life, and then they had to adjust their plans again. And sometimes we just want to love convenient people in convenient times and convenient ways to say, ah, this is too hard. Sometimes it calls for inconvenient times and inconvenient ways. The R in care basically stands for 
risk enough to be involved. Risk. Risk enough to be involved. See, they had a couple of risks that they were willing to take. One is when they got there and they couldn't get into the house through the door, they were willing to risk a lot of different things to take him up on the roof and lower him down through the roof, open a hole in the roof. They were willing to risk the cost of whatever it was going to take. You say, you know what? This is going to cost us something if we tear a hole in the roof, but we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll make that investment because it is so important for our friend to get to know Jesus. But imagine that. They, they not only had to risk the cost that were involved, they had to probably risk some of the criticism too. What are you guys doing up there? You're destroying his roof. Or, wait, whoa, whoa, back of the line. Whatever. But sometimes when we're willing to risk being involved, it's going to cost us something. And sometimes it might just simply cost us being criticized by others because they really don't understand what everybody always is about. And it's hard. The E stands for express your faith through your actions. It's always been interesting to me that when they brought the man in to see Jesus, that this is what Jesus says to them. In verse 5 of Mark 2, it says, when Jesus saw their faith. Do you see that? When Jesus saw their faith, not just the faith of the, the paralyzed man that was coming to Jesus, but when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. So they were willing to express their faith through their actions. James chapter, four, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, really just lays it out for us in some of the plainest language that we could possibly, possibly ever hear. James 2, beginning in verse 14, says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In one of my favorite books titled The Hole in Our Gospel, Gary Culbertson is quoted as saying, it's not what you believe that counts. It's what you believe enough to do something about it. You've got to cultivate a relationship. You've got to be willing to adjust your life. You've got to be willing to risk being involved. And you've got to be willing to express your faith through your actions if you're really going to have an everybody always lifestyle. You know, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the people began to question him. Even the religious leaders began to question him and even criticize him. Who's he, who's he to say that his sins are forgiven? So Jesus heard them. He said, why are you questioning this in your heart? But just, just so that you know, you know, what's easier, just to say to somebody your sins are forgiven or to say, hey, paralyzed man, get up and walk, which is, which is easier to say. 
Well, obvious, easier to say your sins are forgiven because there would be no visible expression of that. But to say, get up and walk, that, that's, that's harder. So Jesus said, okay, so, so let me do this. Not only are your sins forgiven, but pick up your mat and walk. And he, and he did. And here's what Jesus said. He said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You know what he's basically saying? Hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet your deep need, which is your forgiveness. But I'm also going to meet your immediate need. And I'm going to do this so that you may know who I am. It's only been just a few years ago that I was down in Chattanooga. And I was hearing the story told of a particular church that was going to, to help a lady who was living in poverty and she was doing all that she could to take care of her family. And this church was really wanting to try to respond to her needs, and so they went over and they began to see what her needs were and recognized that she needed some food to help feed her family, and so they began to gather some food. And as they looked around, they recognized that they really did need some clothes. The kids needed some school clothes and things like that, and so they began to get some of that together. And as they began to meet her need, Things just began to develop, and one day they went over there, and one of the ladies from the church who was organizing a lot of this ministry to this lady and her family went into the house, and, and she was there, and she uh, looked around. It was the first time in the house for this particular lady from the church, first time there. And she walked in, and she said to the, to the mom of the family, she said, oh, sweetheart, she said, you, you really, you, you need a new sofa. Yours is, yours is really kind of old oh and you need a new sofa implying hey we'll, we'll get you a sofa and the mom of the house looked back up at her and she said no what I really really need is a true friend to sit on the one that I have that's a need much, much deeper than so. Meeting the immediate need, that, that's great. That's a part of everybody always. But meeting the, meeting the deeper need is really what everybody always is about. And which is easier to Let's just put it in this way. Which is really easier, to buy a sofa or to actually invest enough time to sit on a sofa with anyone, anytime? You see, I think that's what everybody always is about. Everybody. Always. So that the world will know who he is.
Is that what we're about? I think that if we truly are willing to embrace an everybody always lifestyle, the world will know who he is. If God's pressed that upon your heart in these last this last week of missions focus here at Calvary, you've had so many opportunities to be challenged in ways that people are living out and everybody always lifestyle and you've heard their stories but now the question's for every single one of us here we come the close of the missions focus week is it just going to be another great series that we had another great project our church thought was a good idea just another good focus or is it truly going to be who we are everybody always what about you our pastor would probably love to pray with you if you'd like to have someone to pray with you about that today or I know that it's always open for you to have some prayer time here or maybe there's just somebody else in this community of faith that you just want to go to because you love them and you trust them and say I want to be everybody always will you help me Keep me accountable. Walk with me. Let's do this. Let's be that. Everybody.